I love church. It is fun to be with a group of believers who are excited and passionate about what God is doing. And so, man, open up your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Luke. Chapter number 21 is where we're going to kick off this brand new series called Greed Erosity this morning. And the title of this morning's message is, I Dare You. I dare you, and this time of year during this season, a movie always comes on every single year, and it's called A Christmas Story. Y'all ever seen that movie? And, and one of my favorite lines is, be, or my favorite scenes is because I know this from experience, how it feels, because my older brother, oldest brother, who's awesome, who I can pick on this morning, Pastor Jeff, it's like, I triple red dog dare you to stick your tongue out on that frozen flagpole, right? I won't go into the details of what happened to me after that, but... But I triple red dog dare you this morning. I didn't put that as the title, but that's what I wanted to put as the title. I triple red dog dare you to take a step of faith this morning as we jump into this new series called Greeterosity. And as you're turning to Luke chapter number 21, as I was praying this morning and, and God gave me the word, Joel, begin to declare a spirit of faith and courage over this church. He also gave me this word and he said, believe between now and the last Sunday of December of this year for 100 people to get born again. 100 people to come to know Christ and get born again. So who you start praying for today, they may not show up tomorrow, but they, it may manifest in December. So don't neglect the purpose of praying over people today to watch them show up next month. Because when we start sowing seed today into the kingdom of God through prayers, through intercession, through reaching out, through invitation, through what the church would call evangelism, I like to call it invitation, you personally invite. If you invite somebody today, they're probably not going to show up tomorrow, but they may show up for December for our Christmas series, which is going to be awesome. I'm just telling you. We are so pumped about Christmas this year at TWVC and can't wait for what's going to happen. And so, so begin to invite people because I'm believing for 100 people to come to know Christ in the next nine Sundays. Can you get with me on that? I mean, give God a hand clap of praise if you, if you believe that. And, and so and one of the things that goes along with praying for 100 people to come in, the first Sunday of every month, we set aside that Sunday as Legacy Sunday. What is Legacy Sunday? That's where all the tithes and offerings that come in today, they don't go to pay the bills. They don't go to just keep the operations of the church going. We set all 100% of the tithes and offerings today aside to develop a legacy and build a legacy for the next generation. The next generation of next year, next 10 years, next 25 years, next 100 years at TWBC. And I pray that TWBC is growing and thriving and expanding the kingdom long after I'm up in heaven with Jesus. Amen. <laughs> I want it to be so much bigger than just me. I want it to be so much bigger than just us, that our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids and, and the kids that are in children's church, they're, they're still here when they're grandparents, amen? And we develop a legacy that is far-reaching. And so 25% of our budget is set aside for legacy. And we do that by the first Sunday of every month, taking up a legacy offering. And you can give your tithes and offerings, as Pastor Chad mentioned, in any of the boxes that are around the, the Worship Center Auditorium or on the app or on the website and, and all the ways we have to give. But don't miss your opportunity to be part of a legacy um, beginning right now at TWBC. And so one of the things about leaving a legacy is you want your name to live long on after you do. Long on after you do. And what I mean by that... You're going to have a reputation that carries on long after you're gone, and it can either be for the greatness of the kingdom of God, or it can be you don't really want people to remember you and what you did and the things you didn't do 
right? So there's two kinds of legacies, a good legacy and a not so good legacy that you can leave on. Well, I believe at TWBC, we want to leave an amazing legacy. And what would it look like at TWBC if we broke the spirit of greed and envy off of this Northeast Texas region, amen? What would it look like to have a city that's generous, to have a church that operates in excellence and in generosity simultaneously, so we, get, we, we work in excellent generosity and we break a spirit of greed off this region, off this city, off this church, off myself, off you, and we become Christ-like in our thinking and all that we do. And we become extravagantly generous in how we live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you hear the term greederosity and all you think about is money, you may be dealing with the spirit of greed. If you hear the term generosity and it encompasses so much more than money, there's a chance that greed has been broken off of your life. And it's my heart that we break this this region, more than this five-county area, this whole region, and watch what the kingdom of God can do as we expand his kingdom because we're generous with everything of who we are, what we have, and how we live the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen for that? And so the title of this morning's message again is, I dare you, (laughs) I dare you to be generous. I dare you to live not extravagantly by worldly means, but extravagantly in your Christianity because the paradox of the gospel is this. The things you give away are the really the only things you get to keep. But the things you try to keep, you never really have. That's the great paradox of the gospel. Jesus said, you can't live unless I die. He also said, you can't live unless you die. It's a paradox. It doesn't sound right to the world, but the kingdom of God is not of this world. It operates in the world, but it's not of the world. Generosity is not of the world, even though it can operate in the world through the body of Christ. And so with that, we want to see this happen. And so you can leave a legacy in your life that expands the kingdom of God or... As I like in my life, I like to study history. Like in school, y'all, that, y'all may think that's weird, but I liked history. I'm not, I wasn't good with the numbers side of stuff. So don't ask me why I got a business degree. I, that was foolish. I was like, yeah, business sounds cool. Let's go do that. And I didn't realize all the classes you had to take that had numbers. I should have went to literature or history or whatever, you know. But, but I loved history. And, and throughout history, there's a, a legend of a king. That means he wasn't really real, but it's the legend of him. It was a king called King Midas. How many of y'all have ever heard of him? King Midas. King Midas was a, a, a legendary king in Greek and Roman uh, mythology. And he was known for two things, his foolishness and his greed. Now, I've realized this, and not just in the studying of the legend, but, but also in our life, greed and foolishness usually run hand in hand, right? So greedy people usually act foolish, and foolish people usually become greedy because they need more to uh, facilitate their foolishness in what they're doing. So King Midas was a, a legend king known for his foolishness and greed, and his one wish was this. Marcus, his one wish was, I wish that everything I touched, Johnny, would turn to gold. And according to the legend, it was granted him this wish, that everything he touched turned to gold. The problem was, When he began to touch things that turned to gold, he would go to eat food and it would turn to gold. And the foolishness was he had so much greed 
that his one wish almost killed him because everything he touched turned to gold and he nearly starved to death until he recanted from his wish. Some of you in this life have been wishing to win the lotto. Come on, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not foolish. I mean, I know things. Me and my wife, $250 million with the Powerball. We've had those conversations in our house. But we wouldn't even know what it would be like to win $250 million. We don't have even a context of $250 million. I mean, I would like to try to spend it. But, but Alex, I really don't have a context of it. Because most of the tough, uh, if we went, wrote down everything in our wish list, we would probably spend $3 million of it. We wouldn't even have a context how to spend $250 million. I mean, I don't need that many shoes. I mean, I don't need that many yachts. I don't need that many mansions. I can't go to all the beach houses that I would buy. So with the $250 million, greed and foolishness would say, spend it on you. Legacy says... What do you advance it into to expand the kingdom of God? So I'm going to ask you in your life, are you King Midas wishing for the lotto? Or would you be like Christ and ask for a spirit of generosity? Because the only thing that you get to keep is what you give away. And the thing you try to keep, you really don't have in the first place. So as we jump into this message this morning, I want to tell you about four action points that we're going to do in the month of November. First action point number one is this morning, and it's called I Dare You. I dare you to take a step of faith this morning, and you'll figure that out through the rest of this message. Next Sunday, I need everybody to bring a $5 bill. Like everybody, everybody, bring a $5 bill. And there's going to be a challenge, a $5 challenge next week. Everybody bring a $5 bill. Pastor Derek's going to preach an amazing message called Junk in the Trunk. Come on, somebody. And you're not going to want to miss this, but to make it happen, everybody needs to bring a $5 bill to church next Sunday. The following Sunday, November 17th, and this is vitally important because you need to start looking today who you're going to go to lunch with on November 17th. Because on November 17th, we want to do big tip group life. Big tip group life, Kayla. And what that means is we want you to find people to go to lunch with after whatever service you're attending. First service, second third service, third service. We want you to get a group of two families, three families, and all go to lunch together somewhere. Now, the thing about this is you can't stand in line grumpily and at the end give generously. They don't go hand in hand. The, the, the Apostle Paul in his writing makes a strong case. He says, God loves a cheerful giver. And a lot of us think about the act of giving and doing it with a smile, but you can't stand in line as a grump and wait on your table and then give cheerfully at the end. It doesn't work like that. It's the whole action. So when we slam every restaurant in this county with TWBC people sporting their T-shirts and going to eat lunch together and don't go with somebody you know really, really well, section one over here, you need to find somebody in section two over here. And y'all need to meet somebody you don't know well, but you kind of want to get to know because you sit by people in church who you already know, right? And, 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 and so this section over here, meet up with somebody in this section over here and go make group life together and start getting to know one another. And Big Tip Sunday is all about this. I need you to tip twice as much as you normally would. Not twice as much. I need you to give a bigger tip then you always give here's the deal I need you 
if the average tip is 18 to 20%, give a 40% tip on the bill that you get at the table. Because if I said I need some of you to double what you normally tip, you would go from 50 cents to a dollar. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about in the back, right? Some of you would go from 50 cents to a dollar. <laughs> no, I want you to tip generously. And what if your waiter or waitress is horrible? <laughs> like I'm talking, they're rude. They church people have to church. Here's your food. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't send it back. <laughs> that, that, right? Some of y'all said, I can't believe the preacher just did that. <laughs> Welcome, online family. With us today. Come on, somebody. We don't care. We're normal. And so, even if they're the worst waiter or waitress you've ever had, what if. You were supposed to give a $20 tip and you gave a $60 tip and generosity is not giving her the tip. Generosity is making sure he or she gets the tip because the people she served next will get the generosity and the cheerfulness that you deserved. See, you're not just given to make her or him happy. You're given to make the next people at that table happy. And I promise that $60 tip to that waiter or waitress to him or her won't just affect that table, but it'll affect the table after that and the table after that. And they'll go home to their household thinking, wow, this has been a good day. And their husband or their wife will be happy and their kids will be happy that this person came home in a great mood, not mad at all the church people. Can I get an amen on that, somebody? So November 17th is Big Tip Sunday. Some of you have the ability to leave a $100 tip, and I'm going to challenge you to do it. Just bless their dadgum stinking socks off. And just bless them. And change their world. And walk out really quick so they can't run up and say, thank you so much, or try and hand it back. And don't Facebook it. Don't Instagram it. Right? Don't, don't tweet it out. I mean, you can tweet it out that we're having Big Tip Sunday, but don't tweet out your Big Tip. My Big Tip to you is don't tweet it. It's not for public knowledge. It's to impact somebody with the genuine love of Jesus Christ. And because he's been generous to you, you're going to be generous to somebody else. And then finally, November 24th, it's Be the Service. Be the Service is where you can buy a, a ticket for $15 over at the Connect Center over there. And when you buy that ticket from somebody in a green shirt that looks like this, you're going to buy a box of food that we're going to deliver to over 1,000 families on November 24th. It has a turkey and all the fixings in it for families that can't afford a Thanksgiving in Hopkins County. And so when you buy that ticket, you're buying a box of food that you'll hand off to somebody at, at another church on delivery day, and you'll get a box of food, and you'll go deliver it to an address, and you get to not just come and have a worship service, you get to be a worship service and the body of Christ to somebody who will never encounter Christ. So we got activities all month long to spur you to generosity, to break the spirit of greed off of this city and off of this region. Amen? And here's the deal. I know that some of you in this church may be struggling financially. And this is not to put undue pressure on you. If you know somebody in this church who needs a Thanksgiving meal, 
I want you to go fill out a form at the Connect Center for that family. And turn it and leave it there, and we'll be able to make sure every family in our church gets Thanksgiving as well. Because I saw this two years ago. There was a family in our church, and they bought two tickets for a Thanksgiving box, not knowing how they would afford their own Thanksgiving. Come on, now that's... Having to explain to your kids, I don't know how we're going to eat, but we're going to make sure somebody else gets to eat. That, that's preaching enough right there. I'm t- and they bought two tickets. And you know what I found out about? I found out that they, didn't get that, they weren't going to have Thanksgiving. So you know what we did? We made sure that they had Thanksgiving. Because God is going to take care of those who take care of the kingdom. So if you know somebody in the church who's struggling financially, because most of the time we're going to think somebody's worse off than me. And I really don't need a handout. It's not a handout. It's a help up. And so if you know somebody, fill out a card for them so we can make sure that they are taken care of. The Bible says this in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will love one and hate the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The actual word for that is mammon. Mammon is the actual word for that instead of money. And scholars don't necessarily agree on the, the etymology of this word, where it came from, but in Latin and in Greek and in Hebrew, there's all a similar word, and it comes out in English to our pronunciation of the word mammon. And what that means is not money, but a spirit of greed and envy that rests where we worship money rather than worship the God who created it. We get our eyes off the maker and put it on the money. When God says, I need to break the spirit of mammon off the money so your eyes will go back to the maker and we'll be able to influence this, this, this region with generosity from the kingdom of God. And so money is an amoral object. Okay? Amoral means it's not good or it's not bad. So money is an amoral object. A brick is an amoral object. Now, I could take a brick on this podium here and if I got a brick and I got mad and I threw it through that TV right there the brick is still not good the brick is still not bad but the spirit that rested on the brick from my hand caused destruction not growth I could take that same brick and I could pray over it and devote that brick to God and I could bring it out there and put it as the first brick of our new facility where people will come and worship and get saved and born again and be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and go out in power and might and in the kingdom of God and continue to expand it. The brick is still not good or bad. It's what I have devoted it to. Your money is not good or bad. It's what have you devoted it to? What have you prioritized it to be? And so with that, it says no one can serve both God and money. He will either love one and hate the other, and he will, he will, um, he'll love one and hate the other, be devoted to one and despise the other. But here's the thing. You can't serve both. So the spirit of tithing will break off a spirit of poverty. A spirit of generosity will break off a spirit of greed. Tithing. For for anybody who's new here, we believe at the Way Bible Church in the principle of the tithe. The first 10% of all the the, the income that Sherry and I get, whether from where she works or where I work or from if I perform a wedding ceremony, 10% of the gross goes to the Father. And we give it at TWBC. 
Notice where it goes, but notice where we give. We're not giving it to TWBC. We're giving it at TWBC to the Father. And that's how we want you to give with that principle. So it's the tithe, roughly, it's 10% of your gross income. Keep it simple. Jesus never made anything confusing until people tried to overthink it. So your tithe is your gross income, the 10% off the gross. With that, it will break the spirit of poverty off your life. The greatest spiritual warfare that my wife and I do is give the tithe. Tithing is spiritual warfare. The Bible says when you give your tithe, he'll open up the floodgates of heaven and throw out so much blessing on you that you will not have room enough for it. He'll prevent the pest from devouring your crops and the vines of your field will not cast their fruit, the Bible says. The vines of Sherry and I and the fruit of us is not what we build and it's not a house and it's not a car. The fruit of us is Caleb and Aaron. And the Bible says he'll protect us and the fruit of our vines. Come on. So when we tithe, there's not a question of where we're tithing at TWBC, who we're tithing to, the Heavenly Father, and what God can do in our life as a family when we tithe. Tithing is the most valuable thing we do in our household. We teach our kids how to tithe. We got the Dave Ramsey piggy bank set up. Come on. We teach them about the tithe. We also teach them about generosity. Because tithing will break off a spirit of poverty. Generosity will break off a spirit of greed. We don't want to teach our kids to be greedy. We want to teach our kids to be generous. Every parent in the house, you've said this to your kids. Hey, you need to share with your brother. Or if they don't have a brother, you need to share with your friends. You don't have to teach greed. It naturally happens. You have to teach generosity to break the spirit of greed off of what is the natural fleshly response to a spiritual being of who you are. And so we teach them to be generous because we want them to break off the spirit of greed. Share the Xbox with your brother. Come on, somebody. teach You need to share the toys. Share the food. We as parents, we're quick to tell our kids, share, 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 share. But when God says, share, you're like, what? God, you know the electric bill's coming. And you know we just had to turn the heater on last week because it got to be below 30 degrees in Texas. Come on, somebody. Don't amen that. That's miserable weather. I don't know what y'all talking about. When God says be generous or share, we stove up. And tell him why we can't, won't, and what we don't got. When God wants you to prioritize what he's asking. The Bible says this. Now, now let's get to the first point. I did it again, Jeff. Dad, gummit. Oh, I'm leaving way later in this service than it was last service. Here we go. Luke 21, verses 1 through 4. We're going through three points and the altar call in seven and a half minutes. Are you ready? Jesus looked up. Now... We ain't getting through all that. I ain't going to lie to y'all. There's no way. I read three words, and here I go again. This is not a parable. This is the story of many of you growing up as the widow's might. It's not a parable. Y'all, I ain't even made it to the intro, and my worship team's coming up for my altar call. Has it been good, though? Is, is it okay? Okay. Here we go. Jesus looked up. So this is an actual account that Jesus is witnessing. It's not a parable. I've heard pastors preach this as a parable, but it's not a parable. 
Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box and he saw a poor widow put in two small coins and he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more in than all of them. Now here's the key verse. For they contributed, everybody say contributed. They contributed out of their abundance, but she of her poverty put in, everybody say put in, all that she had to live on. I dare you to decide. She put in all that she had to live on. This was not an emotional decision in the moment for her. This is a decision that Jesus decides to monument. So Jesus decides to monument a decision because she made the decision to give all that she had before she ever walked into the temple to give her coins. Now listen, some of you, you never give generously to the kingdom of God because you haven't decided to give. You've never made the decision to give. And in that, every time we bring up giving, people are like, that's all they talk about is giving. No, we don't. We talk about it maybe once a year. If anything, we err on the side of not talking about it enough and teaching generosity enough. And so with that, she, out of, she was not having an emotional decision in her moment. It was a decision Jesus decided to monument. If this is all she had to live on, she decided before she ever came what she was going to give. If all you had to live on was two coins, some of you would have not shown up to church this morning because you would have said, I don't have enough gas in the car to even get me to the church to give the coins. She made a decision, I'm going to make it to the place where I can give to God what is His, even if it's all that I had. And she made the decision before she ever walked into the room. Jesus makes a kingdom statement on how God measures generosity. I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. She's put in more than everyone. Listen, what people began to pity about her, Jesus began to prioritize about her. People looked at a widow, and, she, and people were wondering, how is this widow even here in her poverty? But what the world began to pity, Jesus began to prioritize. You're looking at your, your, what's in your pocket and saying, what is this small amount going to do? And you're pitying what Jesus is saying, prioritize. When you, begin to, when you begin to prioritize what you're actually pitying, Jesus says, all as I need is a mustard seed is to move a mountain. But because you're pitying the mustard seeds, your mountains are never moving. And Jesus will say, if you'll begin to prioritize what you're actually pitying, the mustard seed will begin to move mountains. I just got to get your focus on what you do have and quit pitying what you don't have. Listen, $5... $5 in motion is more than 500 with no meaning. When you put $5 in motion for the kingdom, it's worth a lot more than 500 that has no meaning. $5 in motion is worth more than 5,000 with no meaning. $5 in motion is worth more than 5 million with no meaning because when it's meaningless and you have not prioritized it, it has no purpose. But when you prioritize it and say this money now has meaning, $5 in motion is worth more than 5 million with no meaning. And some of you, is you just hadn't put something in motion and God is asking you this morning what decision are you going to make listen faith is not in making the decision faith is in making the deposit I can decide a lot of things I can decide to go on a diet but if I never changed the way I eat I never really went on a diet even though I had a great decision made out of inspiration 
but because I made a decision out of inspiration I didn't go to God with communication about my inspiration and therefore I never see the, 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 the decision manifest into the deposit but if I take that five dollars and make a decision that it belongs to the kingdom and I make it a deposit in my pocket where it's devoted to God devoted money doesn't hurt when you give it it's helpful when you give it it's joyful when you give it because here's the problem most of you think this is my five dollars I'm putting it in my pocket and I guess I gotta give it away but when I make a decision that it's God's money and I make a deposit in my pocket with his money it doesn't hurt when I give it it's actually a joyful experience when I give it it's joyful and listen your decision leads to the deposit which leads to it being devoted to the kingdom and when you give it your presentation of it prepares the person's heart for what God is trying to do in them God had a presentation all along for what he was trying to do into your life your preparation to give prepares you for the presentation of what God wants to do the Bible says this in, he, in Revelation 13 8 the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the earth were ever laid did you catch that before the earth was created Jesus was already crucified in the decided mind of God God made a decision he decided that I will send my son he made the decision and the Bible says at just the right time that Kairos moment Jesus came into the earth so God made a decision but then he also made a deposit of his son into the earth when he made the decision faith was not in the decision faith was in the sending and the deposit and when he sent his deposit Jesus Christ into the earth he became devoted to God and when the devoted thing died it meant life for everybody else so all that God was doing all the way up till Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection was preparing for the presentation of the gospel. And when the gospel came and he was dead, crucified, and then resurrected, it changed the presentation of what the kingdom of God looks like. It's no longer an abstract place or event. It's here in us. And some of you have never in your life made a decision to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And in this moment, God is making a God has made a decision that He's already deposited. And He's already devoted it to you. He knew He would have to separate from His Son. Well, Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He made a deposit because of a decision. But when he had to make sure it was devoted, it caused separation from him. But all of his preparation made it possible for the presentation of resurrection Easter morning when he rose again from the grave. And now God can say, my deposit that was devoted is now made the decision available to you. And will you decide to receive Christ into your life? Because God in his heart... It was never about a decision. It was about a generosity. That my people need something that only I can supply. Some of you need to make a decision for Christ this morning that only God can supply in your life. And receive Christ as Lord and Savior with any of these prayer partners that are all around the, the worship center this morning. Some of you this morning, you need to make a decision here in just a minute. Your marriage is struggling. You need to make a decision 
but then make a deposit into your marriage go pray with one of these people where two or three agree upon it is touching anything it's done so make a decision but then take a step of faith out of courage and make a deposit and with that deposit redevote whatever is struggling in your life to God and watch what the devoted things in your life to God when you prioritize them they become amazing for the kingdom in your life this morning God do what only you can do I'm going to ask everybody to stand as the prayer partners are ready as we're ready to minister with you don't miss your opportunity to step out and make a decision that will lead to a deposit that makes a thing in your life that was pity become a thing in your life that's now prioritized and devoted so God can use it as a presentation for his kingdom the communion tables open our prayer partners are ready our worship team's ready are you ready to make a decision in three two one the altars are open take a step of faith begin to move